So welcome to a very unique uh, service of Northridge Life Church. Um, we are meeting only online today, as I'm sure all of you know, the ones, of, of course, that are joining us uh, know that. And um, uh, we are. this is going to be an interesting event. I've never done an entire church service entirely by myself. I do make a promise to you, a solemn vow before we even get started. I'm not even going to try to sing or play an instrument or anything of that nature. Um, but uh, the the weirdness of 2020 and COVID-19 has dictated that this is how we're doing things today. And so we'll get a little bit more into that uh, here in a little bit. Um, but I want to begin today um, by reading you a passage um, that has just been on my heart uh, for the last 24 hours or so. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so I, I don't think that's COVID, by the way. Uh, but let me let me read you this passage. If you can grab your Bibles, if you if you have them already, and turn with me to Psalm 97, and we're going to read this together and uh, just encourage our hearts uh, with what uh, the Bible says, what the psalmist says about the Lord's authority, about his his uh, rule. And so let's let's just read that together, starting in verse one of Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the peoples see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame, who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice. Because of your judgments, O Lord, for you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods." Zion here, uh, you are exalted far above all gods. You, O oh you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O oh you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Will you join me in praying? Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for... Uh, just the way that your sovereignty is seen in all creation, in all the earth, in the heavens, Lord, that you are in charge, that the, that the Lord reigns and let the heavens and the earth rejoice. God, we want to join in that rejoicing today in thankfulness for your power, for your glory, God, that, that you display day in and day out, Lord. God, even COVID-19 is not a challenge to you. It's not a threat to your sovereignty, Lord God, but it is a, it is a, 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 a tool in your hand that, that is used for your purposes and to bring you glory. And so in that, we thank you even for this season that we're in, Lord. God, I just want to lift up uh, people in our church that are um, suffering with, with uh, COVID-19 and, and have been sidelined because of it. Lord, I lift up uh, Dylan Lindsay, Dylan Lindsay, Lord, and Kendra Copenhaver, Lord God, I, I lift up Marcia Salasi, Lord, I, I, and and Father, I just want to lift up 
uh, Pat, who is Pat, uh, Kim Garza's uncle, Lord, who's in ICU with this with this terrible virus, Lord. Father, and I just want to ask you to extend your great mercy and your healing power to all of those who are suffering. Lord, I, I especially pray for Ginger, Lord, that, that you would just cause her to recover quickly. And um, God, I thank you for the, your love for all of these people that are are. Uh, God just afflicted with this right now and pray that you would just uh, cause them all to be healed quickly, Lord God, to recover quickly, Lord God, to get whatever medical treatment is beneficial and is helpful to them and for for uh, God, for their hope in you not to waver at all, uh, no matter the challenge of this virus. And so God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you're faithful to us, Lord God. God, we know that if our church, our little church is is afflicted as it is right now with with this many people uh, in COVID-19. Lord, we just want to lift up the other churches in Lubbock that may be going through the same thing. Lord, that you would be near to them, that you would supply all of their needs, that you would comfort their hearts, Lord God, and that you would fill them with joy and that they would uh, know uh, the peace that surpasses all understanding and that they would know the height, the width, the depth, and the length of the love of Christ, Lord God, even in this moment, Lord, that you would do that. And Father, we want to lift up our nation. God, we want to lift up our government um, on the national level, on the state level, on the local level, as they deal with uh, this pandemic and the surge that is currently uh, happening. God, we pray that you would just be with them, give them wisdom, uh, help them to know how to utilize the resources they have uh, to combat this thing. And um, God, we are uh, facing an election uh, this Tuesday. And so, Lord, we pray that you would um, uh, be sovereign over that and that leaders would rule righteously and that, that uh, the men or, uh, or men or women of your own choosing, Lord God, would be the ones that would fill those offices and that they would um, they would exhibit the righteousness that exalts a nation, Lord. And we thank you for all of that, Lord God. We know you're in control. Our hearts um, are compelled to say that the Lord reigns, just like the psalm we just read. The Lord reigns. And we, we declare that over ourselves. We declare it over Northridge Life Church. We declare it over our families, over our, our uh, husbands and our wives, over our children, our grandchildren. Lord, we declare that the Lord reigns over the city of Lubbock, over the state of Texas, over the United States of America, and over the entire globe and all of the heavens, Lord God, you reign. And that will be our theme today. That will be the theme of our hearts. In fact, throughout all eternity, God, that you are in charge. And we thank you for that, God. And we praise you for that. We give you glory. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your eternal love to us. We pray that you would be with us uh, throughout this service today, that you would speak to us and um, let us hear your voice and respond um, with joy to everything that you, you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I got a, a few announcements for you um, before we proceed. Um, I want to uh, let you know uh, we did have a uh, a men's ministry meeting scheduled for this coming Saturday, but uh, for hopefully obvious reasons, we will not be doing that. Uh, we do hope to get back in our rotation really, really quick, so guys, don't lose steam on that um, and be ready to jump right back in whenever it's safe for us to resume those, and so um, we hope that you will plan on doing that. Um, and But for this coming Saturday, which I believe is the 7th, um, that has been canceled. Um, so last week at church, Ginger made an announcement that um, 
that we are starting a new women's meeting. We have our Wednesday uh, morning Wednesday meetings, but for especially for ladies that work and can't come to that, we're going to have a, a Wednesday meeting that will be on Thursdays at 7. And they're going to be studying a book that Landy Kime uh, recommended. It's called Atypical Woman, and uh, it's by Abigail Dodds. And if you'd like to do uh, or be a part of this um this study with the ladies, there's two things we need you to do. First of all, we need you to get um, the book, which you can get at Amazon or ChristianBook.com. There's a lot of retailers. Once again, the name of the book is Atypical Woman by Abigail Dodds. Uh, I think it's Dodds, rather. I said Dobbs, but it's Dodds with a D. And um, and uh, if you'll pick up a book uh, at, at a retailer, um, then you'll be ready to go with that. And then the second thing I need you to do is let us know that you're coming. You can email ginger at info, I-N-F-O, at northridgelife.org and let her know that you want to be a part of that, and she'll uh, get you on the list. And as soon as she's uh, able to, to do that and is cleared in her health, then she'll be leading that. Um, as far as youth goes, as many of you know, um, I've been leading youth for a while, uh, for the last few, several months, and um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, because of my quarantine, I don't know what we're going to do. My goal is to have a youth service for these uh, upcoming couple of weeks on Wednesday night. And so, uh, parents, keep your ear to the ground. I'm going to be contacting you hopefully tomorrow, maybe by Tuesday, to let you know what's going on. I'll, I'll contact all the students as well. Uh, but we want to have a youth service and because uh, we, uh, for weather and other reasons, we have had to cancel the last couple, and so we don't want to continue that trend. And so, um, But we'll let you know exactly what we're going to do and how we're going to do it um, and uh, how we can do it safely. So uh, we'll let you know about that. And then um, some of you are aware that um, I've announced for the last couple of weeks that in a service today, had we gathered at the church, we were going to take a physical offering. And what I mean by physical offering is instead of uh, encouraging you, which we always appreciate it when you do, um, to give on the on the app or on the website, we were going to ask you to bring a physical offering of either cash or check because we were going to intertwine that with our worship service so that we could make our giving an act of worship. Uh, there was going to be some prayer involved. And so uh, I've talked to the elders. Um, we are planning on having a service next week, although I probably will not be there. Um, and we want to still go forward with that. So please make sure if you plan to do that uh, today that you're ready to do it next week, that you bring either cash or check to give in an actual physical offering next week. And, um, and we will have a great time rejoicing together as we uh, give to the Lord sacrificially and joyfully as, a, as an act of our worship. So um, if you would prepare yourself for that next week, um, and that should go off uh, without a hitch. Um, and lastly, um, obviously I'm sitting here alone in my kitchen, and um, I wanted to uh, just give you a real quick update on Ginger. Um, so many of you have reached out and called and um, you know sent texts and cards and, and groceries and all kinds of stuff. And we are so humbled, as we always are, by your goodness, your kindness, your generosity. And um, I want to thank you for that, first of all, as her husband, um, and just give you this little update. She still feels relatively good. She has a, a couple little headaches, and um, uh, as far as I know, she still has no real sense of taste. Um, and, uh, and so... 
uh, just pray for her. But as far as some of the more severe symptoms that you hear about with COVID-19, she has not experienced any of them uh, as of yet. And we're praying that that's the way she's going to finish this uh, time and, and that she'll be she'll be okay. Um, Jason and I are, are not where we can get tested yet. You have to wait a few days after the person uh, you live with, but neither one of us are experiencing any symptoms whatsoever. And so uh, we're thrilled at that. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to all of you who have been praying for us. And um, you never will know how much that means uh, to us. And so we hope that you'll continue to do that and um, just uh, pray for us and uh, and uh, we'll get through this, and and uh, so will everyone else at our church and around our city that is dealing with it. And so um, we just we thank you for that faithfulness on your on your behalf. Um, well, I want to go ahead. Um, this is like I said, this is a very very different kind of service because of the limitations that we have. And so um, I want to go ahead and um, and get into the message that uh, I feel like God gave. Uh, me for you. I was going to, my plan was when I talked to Pastor David and Pastor Paul this week, um, I was going to just uh, continue my series on the prophet, priest, and king role in the Bible. And um, I I just really felt like that I needed to pause that for just a little bit, um, I, maybe just this week. But um, but I wanted to pause it and, and speak to you really from my heart and so I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles again. Um, this is different because we don't have slides, and so I can't uh, I can't really show you the scriptures. I guess I could hold my Bible up to the camera or something like that. But um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to remember when I reference scriptures to give you them, so you can either write them down or just flip to them real fast. Uh, but for the sermon text um, this week, I want you to turn to First Timothy chapter two, and um, and we're going to look at this together and uh, uh, see what the see what the word of God says. So here here's what we read. First Timothy chapter two, and I'm actually beginning right at verse one again, and this is what Paul writes to Timothy, who was his young protege in the Ephesian church. He says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your, your kindness to us, Lord. Uh, most clearly expressed through Christ. We are so grateful for the love that we have received through Jesus our Lord. And, and God, I pray that right now that you would um, open our eyes, uh, just like you did Elisha's servant in the Old Testament, that you would open our eyes and that you would let us see how powerful, how big, how well-armed you are, Lord God. God, that there is no one that can stand against your holiness, your rule, your sovereignty, your glory, your power, Lord God. 
and that Lord, we we are safe in you, and we don't have to cling to or clutch to what others may cling to and clutch to, Lord God, because we are safe in your arms, in your presence, and we thank you for that. God, as I do every single week, Lord, I ask that you would really help me, especially under these odd conditions, Lord God, where I'm trying to preach your word to your people. I pray that you would just help me, Lord, to uh, speak clearly, God, to speak accurately, Lord God, to speak um, uh, with your power flowing through me, Lord God, um, so that your word would be able to uh, make a difference um, in our hearts and to change our minds, to draw us to repentance, to draw us to joy, to draw us to confidence in you. Father, I thank you for all of this, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in about 72 hours, as I'm sure that there's nobody here that's unaware, uh, we will have either re-elected or elected a president um, for the United States. And, and from what I'm picking up, what I'm seeing is that many of you are filled with an odd mixture of hope and anxiety uh, about this reality, about this election. And there's also uh, uncertainty about what's going to happen with control of the House, control of the Senate, with any future judicial appointments that might be made. And there's a whole plethora of other concerns in state and local races. And so um, these are reasons for us to be concerned. And I am concerned. Um, Elections, this isn't something I talk about a lot as far as this kind of anxiety, I guess you'd say. But elections, especially the ones that happen every four years for the presidency, are always very difficult for me as a pastor. And I mean specifically in my role as a pastor. And there's, there's a good reason for this. It seems that when you come to a presidential election, more than midterms or, you know, state or local elections, it seems like in presidential elections that everyone has a strong opinion, a really strong opinion. And that, that opinion ranges all across the spectrum from, from my man is God's man, you know, on one end of the spectrum, to apathy and indifference somewhere in the middle of the spectrum, to conscientious non-participation in politics on the opposite end of the spectrum. And most of us fall somewhere within there. Um, as, a, as an example of this, and I'm sure you've seen the same thing, as an example of this, uh, I've seen, and, and you can find, well-meaning Christians. I don't doubt their, their Christianity or their, you know, their, their love for Jesus, but you can see well-meaning Christians posting memes and, and articles on social media that promote Donald Trump as the only hope for the gospel and for righteousness in America. And I find this logic, as I've mentioned before, just more than a little bit puzzling. Now, let me be clear. Let me full disclosure here. In many cases, I have appreciated very much the policy decisions of President Trump's administration, um, especially the ones regarding uh, greater protections for the unborn and those that have ensured and um, uh, solidified the religious freedoms that we have enjoyed in, in our nation for so long. I've appreciated that. And so, uh, if you can at least acknowledge that much about President Trump, then you would have to probably agree with me that President Trump is probably not a very good candidate for the role of Antichrist. However, <laughs> I also have to point out that no one has to look very deep or see 
uh, to, to see rather that President Trump has never been, nor does he ever seem to have evolved into a poster boy for righteousness, for morality, for the preaching of the gospel. President Trump may not be the Antichrist, but he's also not a very good candidate, not a very good choice to be our national messiah. But there's another side of this argument. As an alternative um, this year uh, in our elections, we have the former vice president um, who um, has a, a plenty of his own issues, one of which is that he's currently embroiled in a serious uh, scandal, serious charges that he used his office to peddle influence and, and enrich himself financially. Um, there's serious questions looming about his integrity. His vice, uh, vice presidential pick has a horrific record of defending her office or defending with her office um, the most heinous uh, baby killing practices um, while she was the, the Attorney General of California. And these things by Christians should not be overlooked. There, there are a lot of other legitimate concerns for Christians, as well as these that I've mentioned about the two candidates. Looking firmly at these two choices with you, um, I can sympathize with many of my younger Christian friends who only approach the political process with total cynicism, and in some cases, the worst of cases, with absolute despair. It can feel like that there are no legitimate options left for any of us. But this morning, what I want to do with you is I want to look at what Paul told Timothy to see if there's anything that we can do as believers to, pre to prepare for whatever news Wednesday morning is going to bring to us. Um, and before we do that, before we break down the text from this morning, I want to give you just a couple of general reminders about how believers should think about and how we should approach politics. So the first thing, the, the principal thing we must never forget, and I hope I remind you all the time, I think I do, uh, I, I, I know we want to, but the, the thing you must never forget is that God sovereignly rules over everything. Everything God rules. He rules over kings. He rules over presidents. He rules over parliaments. He rules over courts. He rules over Congress. And the Bible tells us that all power in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ now. We're not waiting for the end times for him to have all authority in heaven and earth. It's already his. It also tells us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It tells us that the host of heaven worships him alone. We're told over and over in the scriptures that God does exactly what he pleases. And one of the things that it says he does that he pleases is it says in Proverbs that he turns the heart of the king like a watercourse. He turns it wherever he pleases. This is best illustrated, I think, in the scriptures of when Jesus uh, before he was crucified, is standing before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. He's standing before him, and um, the charges have been brought by the Jewish people, and, and uh, Pilate is interrogating him, and, he's, and, and Jesus is not answering him. He's remaining completely quiet. And in John 19, verse 10, Pilate said to him, Will you, or you will not speak to me? He's incredulous that Jesus will not answer what he's saying. He says, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Now, for most of us, that would get our attention and we would, we would 
you know, maybe try to play whatever game was being played to, to save our necks. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered him. Now pay close attention to this because what applied to Pontius Pilate applies to Donald Trump. It applies to, to Joe Biden and it applies to every single politician beneath them. This is what Jesus said to Pontius Pilate. He said, Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. In other words, he's telling Pilate, you would be nobody. You would have nothing. You would have no authority to make any of these decisions if God had not placed you in the place that you are. So that's the first thing. God rules over everything. Secondly, we must remember that our citizenship, and this is in reality, not in theory, not some spiritual unicorn sliding down rainbow sort of world, but in reality, we have to remember that our citizenship is not primarily American, if we're believers, but it is heavenly. And that's important to know, because for too long, in our country, Christians have tried to reckon heaven to be an American domain instead of seeking to make America a heavenly domain. And that's gone on too long. Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Can't get more clear than that. And from it, from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. So he's saying that, that we are citizens of heaven and we're waiting for Jesus to come to renew us, these physical bodies, like Jesus' physical body was renewed, and he's doing it by the power, his, his, his power is the Lord that, that enables him to make all of creation, all leaders, all rulers, all emperors, all kings, to be subject to himself. Now, again, let me kind of balance the scales here. There is something to be said for patriotism. Some people just completely disdain patriotism. Some people way over-promote patriotism. And I think there's a place for patriotism because this is, the Bible says that God sets the boundaries for all men, all women. And this is the place, America is the place, where God has chosen to place you and I so that we might serve him. So there is a place for us to be patriot. So there, there's, there's a... Um, a good reason to want things to go well for America. We want the very best for our country. This this reflects what Jeremiah told the people of Israel when they were thrown into exile in Babylon. They were they were exiled to Babylon, and um, and while there, you know, they they were like, you know, do we rebel against this country? Uh, do we? Do we try to overthrow the government or do we just try to get back home? And because God had placed them in that boundary in, in um, Babylon, he told them what to do. And what I want, when you read this scripture, I want you to realize that you too, you and I as believers are exiles. We have been exiled from our home country, which is heaven, to be here for a season. And this is what Jeremiah, through the, through the Lord, told the exiles. He said, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. So they were supposed to work, to be patriotic, to work for the benefit of that city, Babylon. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. But here's what I want you to see. Before we get too far on the patriotism side, 
I want you to understand that our first loyalty and our hope as Christians is always in the coming kingdom, not in the present tangible one that we live in and we participate in in this world. That's not where our hope is. Now, while we engage in the politics of our nation, and we should, we do so with the understanding that first and foremost, we are representatives of a foreign land in which we have a home that's been prepared for us so that we could be with Christ forever. And then lastly, we have to remember that America, as well as every other nation on the face of the earth, every kingdom, every empire, all of them will someday cease to exist. Now, let that sink in. America someday will be no more. And this is guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed, no matter who holds the reins of political power. The ending of America will not be because some leader failed us nationally or because we didn't get the right guy in office. The ending of America will happen because God God himself has decreed its ending. When the time comes, it'll be because God shut it down. 2 Peter 3.10 describes in graphic language what the whole world has to look forward to, what, what the end of the nations will look like. Look at it with me if you have your Bible. 2 Peter 3, verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then listen, The heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth, and watch this, the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Peter says here that we both wait for and hasten the coming of the Lord and his fully realized kingdom. The kingdom has started now, but but it's going to be fully realized in that day. And this means that we set our affections on that reality, not this reality. The Bible tells us the things that are unseen are more real than the things that are seen. So we set our, our affections on that reality, and we long for it, and we place our hope in it, And we don't allow ourselves to be deceived by all the quickly fading desires and the longing for power that drives life here on this planet. So let's look at what Paul said to Timothy in our text. Now that we've set up three things to remember, let's look at what Paul said to Timothy. He begins first with an appeal for us to be people of prevailing prayer, of of serious prayer. This is what he says, first of all, Then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Two things I want to point out to that. He says not only do we uh, do this, but we do it first of all. It is our number one priority to to be praying for other people as believers. And, And he says all kinds of prayers here, supplications, prayers, intercessions. Now we're all really good at that. But but then he says, and also thanksgiving. Do you, do you give God thanks for the troublesome people in your life? 
none of us do as much as we should. But that's what it's saying here. It says, pray for all people and do so with thanksgivings. If there's one thing that should mark a believer's life as different from those around us in the world, it is a life on our knees of continuous prayer. But then in verse 2, Paul gets really specific about a certain group we ought to pray for. He says, for kings and for all who are in high positions. Now, quite frankly, if I can get really real for you with you for just a second, this verse really convicts me. Really, really convicts me. I find it easier to detach myself from most politicians, but especially the ones I disagree with. I'll post funny memes about them and I'll refer to them sometimes in the most unkind ways. And I'll, I'll bless everyone who will take the time to listen with my opinion on their person and their policies, of the, especially the ones I disagree with. But what I rarely do, and I'm ashamed to tell you this, but what I rarely do is pray for the ones that I disagree with, the politicians. Don't pray a lot for the ones I do agree with. I rarely pray for them that they would know the love of God is found in Jesus Christ and that they would turn to Jesus in repentance. I complain about them, but I don't ask God to convict their hearts of ungodly platforms and their desire to rule um, and, and pray that they would rule with wisdom an integrity that brings peace. I don't know if you're like me, but I oftentimes see politicians too much as either performers on my side of the philosophical aisle whose power has to be either achieved or protected, or I see them as my ideological enemies that need to be mocked and stopped and even destroyed. I rarely, if ever, see them as souls that need to be transformed by the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm ashamed to tell you that. Paul's rationale for offering prayers to those highest in position is sound. He said that we do this that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. In political seasons, Christians, this is really sad, but oftentimes we're just a vicious win-at-all-costs voting block in political seasons. But Paul encourages us to live a life that he describes as both peaceful and quiet. He doesn't envision a people who are hostile towards others who differ in political convictions, who disintegrate into name-calling and combative postures. Paul is saying that peaceful and quiet lives are vastly more influential to people who are antagonistic to the cause of Christ. Now think about when he was writing and to whom he was writing. He was writing during the height of the Roman Empire to people who were victims of the Roman Empire, to, to those who, if they were to make the simple declaration, Jesus is Lord, it could cost them their very lives, their homes, their property, their families, it could cost them everything, just to declare Jesus is Lord as opposed to Caesar is Lord. And he's telling these people to live peaceful and quiet lives and to pray for those who are in authority of them. People like Nero, People like Nero who would light his garden parties with the bodies of Christians dipped in tar. That's who he was telling them to pray for. 
Now, this doesn't mean, I'm not talking about some kind of political pacifism. This doesn't mean that we don't speak up issue, uh, speak up on issues, rather, that have clear gospel implications. I'm speaking of things like abortion, things like homosexual marriage, things that clearly have gospel implications. And, and, and we need to speak up on those things, no matter how unpopular our beliefs might be. But it means when we do speak up, when we're compelled by the gospel to speak up, that we do so in a way that is respectful and that we remember that we're talking to a living soul who's been created in God's image, as you and I have also been. Paul also says in this little passage that we should live godly lives that are dignified in every way. And let me just remind you, it's hard to be either godly or dignified or recognized as either when you're posting hateful memes and you're calling your opponents libtards or fascists and you're screaming and carrying placards or whatever you're doing, it's hard to, to be godly and dignified without a display of mercy and humility. And after describing what we should do, Paul says what it results in. He says, this is good. And it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What a simple yet absolutely powerful dynamite statement Paul has just made. Praying for those in authority, living peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified lives, he says, is good. And it causes God to smile upon us. It pleases God. God, let me let me tell you something. Let me let me clarify some thinking you may have. God is never going to be disappointed with us if we're not fighting day and night for some political success. For the past 40 years or so, fighting for political success has almost become the American definition of Christianity, and that's a shame. But God is displeased when we fight with other people who were created in the image of God with malice in our hearts, wishing them not repentance but destruction. God is displeased when we seek power as opposed to an opportunity for the truth to be clearly proclaimed. In this divisive world of earthly politics, Paul reminds us of the unifying nature of God's purposes in Christ. He says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It may blow your mind, but God does not see Democrats or Republicans, liberals, conservatives, or anything in between. God sees a human race that is dead in its sins and needs the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to pull it out of the mess that it's in. See, Christianity flourishes in a culture when we're laser-focused on what God cares about. But let me also remind you that Christianity literally becomes a curse and not a blessing to a society when we pursue ends that God has not appointed for us to pursue. And Paul wraps this encouragement to pray and bless our leaders with a reminder of exactly who is in charge and how there is no political tension found in him. He says, for there is one God and there is 
one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. See, Jesus Christ does not recognize a two-party system. He is only he is the only mediator between a sinful you and a holy God. In John 14:6, you all probably know it. Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and most importantly, I am the only way to get to God." He reminds us that he is the only way to gain access to a father that loves us. It's not through a vote. It's not through a political affiliation. It's not through a a social justice campaign. It's only through Jesus. And Paul says that he became our only mediator by his death and resurrection. He says, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. What is Paul saying? He's saying that Christ's blood was the payment for every bit, all of our sin. After all the promises of the prophets, the testimony of God's faithfulness is complete in the bloodied body of Christ Jesus hanging from the cross. He says, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Now I'm going to be honest with you. That's the last verse of our passage and I almost left it off. And then a reality hit me as I was reading that. Well, Paul's saying I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher of the Gentiles. I, I, I almost left that off. And then I realized that Paul is not just laying out his resume here. He's not telling him who he is or what his qualifications are. He's saying that his only purpose in life is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. He's not distracted by other means to power or success. He is focused laser focused on proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He does not have another agenda and there's nothing else in this life he hopes to gain. But he also says something really cool here for our discussion. He says that teaching the Gentiles these wonderful truths about the redeeming grace of God found in Jesus, he says that that, um, that, that as that teacher something has changed. Unlike his past life, before he met Christ on the road to Damascus, Paul can no longer no longer sort people into neat little categories of acceptable and unacceptable. He wants everyone, just like his Father in heaven, he wants everyone to hear the good news of the kingdom of God that has shown up, that's here because of Jesus. So here's my question to you. I'm wrapping this up. Here's my question. How does Paul's testimony in these last couple of lines here reflect your life? What else do you want besides that people would hear of the gospel of Jesus' saving life, his death, his resurrection, and you may think, as a good Christian, well, that's what I want. That's everything I want. But you'll really know, you will really know if that's truly what you want. And so will I, by realistically analyzing how you're going to feel if the other guy wins on Tuesday. By how you feel right now, in this moment, in this second, right now, how do you feel about those who are as passionate and loud as you are 
but on the other side of your political convictions. Let me ask you this. Is Jesus Christ made available by your words and by your lives to everyone, whether they're Second Amendment or Socialist, whether they're pro-choice or pro-life, whether they're gay or straight, whether they're Black Lives Matter or Make America Great Again, is your life drawing people to the Savior? Our answer to such manipulating divisions created by those who desire power over us should always be the same. This is our one answer. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. So may our lives reflect devotion to one king, one kingdom, one cause. May we give all, everything, even our very lives for that king, for that kingdom, and for his cause. May we be voices for righteousness while not seeking fleeting power in a fading world. May we honor and glorify our king through lives of peacefulness, quietness, godliness, and dignity. And that is my prayer this morning. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to humble myself before everyone that's watching this live feed and just admit, Lord God, that I can get swept up in power grabs of a political nature, Lord God, for you know my team, my man, my guy, my party, Lord God. And I repent to you for that, Lord God. Because I already have a team. I already have a guy. I already have a party. My team is the body of Christ. My man is Jesus. And my party is the redeemed of the Lord that say so. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that with the obligations I have to participate in the politics of the United States of America and the state of Texas, the, the city of Lubbock, Lord, I pray that I'd be a faithful witness to your truth, Lord God. But God, when you so graciously send people who disagree with me, Lord, who are hostile to the position that I've taken, Lord, I pray that I would be peaceful, that I'd be quiet, that I'd be godly, that I'd be dignified in every way, Lord God, so that they would be drawn to your desire. And your desire is that all people everywhere should come to repentance and gain the knowledge of the truth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help me to do that. Help my brothers and sisters watching right now to do that, Lord God. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So I'm going to ask you to do something since I can't see you face to face, but I know you're out there. I want to ask you to place your hands in a receiving position. And I'm going to declare a benediction over you. I love you so much. I wish I could be with you this morning. And I hope I get to be real soon. So let me just pray over you. May the God of endurance and encouragement 
grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. I hope to talk to you soon. Bye-bye.